Welcome back to the Shredder's Not Dead podcast. If it makes you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. Today's episode, I'm going to be discussing my top 10 albums for the year in terms of what I enjoyed listening to, and I'm going to add in some honourable mentions that I think uh, didn't quite make the top 10 or maybe weren't good albums, but were worth discussing anyway. Firstly, I just want to give a big shout out to all the listeners and all the artists who have agreed to be on here so far. It's been a really good end to the first few months of this podcast existing. I've gotten some really good feedback and a huge thank you to anyone who has reached out to me to tell me their thoughts, positive, negative, and otherwise. And I look forward to a big 2023, so stay tuned and uh, let's see if we can grow up from here. So let's get into the honorable mentions now. I will note off the bat that these are alphabetized since I didn't think there was any particular reason putting these in a most or least enjoyable. It's quite a diverse range of musical projects, some are singles, some are art projects, for instance. So to start, we've got a Monomath's Put Your Back Into The Ore. This was a single released around the middle of the year. While they did drop uh, The Great Heathen Army, the full-length LP, that I thought was pretty standard fare for a Monomath, uh, this particular single, Put Your Back Into The Ore, which wasn't off the album, just a standalone single, is probably one of the favourite tracks I've heard of theirs in a long time. It really does tap into what makes the Viking gimmick of theirs great. It's exciting, it's got some really cool riffs, the production is excellent, um, it's everything you could hope for if you're into that gimmicky Viking metal that sort of role plays the past, uh, but still has some interesting death metal going into it. Next up, we have Batushka's release Maria. This was a collection of two LPs written along with an original track to finish it off and released as something of an LP or a double LP. They weren't particularly clear on that. Really good if you like your ambient black metal. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Batushka present a lot of their music in the form of an orthodox liturgy in the Russian Orthodox church style. They use a lot of the same instrumentation, the bells, the very high uh, resonance instruments it's all quite over the top and dramatic like if you were in an orthodox russian church a lot of playing chant mixed in with the instrumentals as well the reason that this fits in here i think rather than going into the top 10 records of the year is i couldn't really bring myself with a lot of the drama around the band name batushka being stolen and the way that the band has devolved in recent years unfortunately due to internal drama on top of that This is a collection of two EPs in the form of one album. So I felt it kind of unfair to lump it in with the top 10 records of the year. But still very enjoyable. If you like your ambient black metal, if you like your theatrical black metal, this is really one for you. Next up, we have Magno Interitus by Cabal, a band and an LP that we actually discussed on this podcast earlier in the year. Very cool little project. Uh, Didn't quite hold my attention for the full run length as with a lot of deathcore, but great collection of songs. If you've got a deathcore playlist, uh, if you've got a gym playlist, if you get to see them live, that's where I think these songs are going to really, really shine. Big shout out to Cabal from Denmark. Fantastic stuff. Keep it up. Look forward to seeing what they go on to do next. Next, we've got the LP Pathos by Conjurer, UK melodic death metal band. Really, really enjoyable, packed full of riffs. I didn't quite enjoy it as much as their earlier release, Maya, but that album was pretty perfect, so this was a tough follow-up. It was too good not to mention here. I didn't quite hold my attention for the full run length, so it's not in my top 10 records. 
go give it a listen though, particularly if you like your arty, hello, grumbly death metal. If you like it a bit melodic, then you're going to love this album. It's a really solid release. A pretty common theme of the albums and songs I'm going to discuss today is that a lot of these have really gone back to what the fundamentals of their particular genre are. And for that reason, I've included Nocturnal Graves and Outlaws Stand LP that they've dropped this year. Australian-based black metal band. Almost black and roll sort of stuff. It's really bare bones. It's raw. It's got teeth and spit going everywhere. It's rude. It's nasty. If you like that kind of stuff, this is a great album. It doesn't do anything particularly outside of the uh, the orthodox as far as traditional black metal goes. And for that reason, I couldn't find myself listening to this album on repeat for long periods. But very good. Give it a listen if you like your raw, black and roll, aggressive black metal. You'll love it. On the other end of the black metal spectrum, the last honorable mention goes to Satyricon with their release earlier in the year. Satyricon and Monk. I was lucky enough to actually see this project in the flesh in Oslo. This is a 45 minute or so long song that details their perspective on some of Munch's art. Edvard Munch, the uh, Norwegian artist, most commonly known for The Scream, as well as a whole heap of other projects. Uh, He's got a museum named after himself over in Oslo where this is being presented along with some of the artwork that accompanies their music that Monk's been involved in or that inspired this particular track. It's a very interesting listen. It's not going to scratch that itch for a new Satyricon album if you really love their songs, but it is really interesting to hear their approach to composition that really shines through on this absolute epic. Well worth a listen if you've got the patience, if you're the kind of person to sit down and listen to a 45-minute long song, give it a listen. Satyricon, you can't go wrong they're a classic for a reason. Now I'm going to get onto my top 10 records for the year. I'm going to do these in ascending order of enjoyability, but please do note that they're starting at already very, very enjoyable. So if you say, oh, five and six should have been the other way around, I probably agree with you. It was a pretty hard list. There were some really good releases this year, and there were some pretty good reasons to enjoy a lot of what was going on in the world of heavy metal. So without further ado, let's get into it. At number 10, I have Rashomon, the debut release by Ibaraki. This is the project set up by Matt Heafy. There were some really good moments on this record. It didn't hold me from start to finish completely, but there were some really, really brilliant moments that stood out. Of note were definitely the feature artists getting Isan, Nurgle, and of all people, Gerard Way, together on the one record to produce some scorching black metal is a really interesting feat. I was really, really blown away that of all those features, it was Gerard Way who I think really delivered some truly incendiary vocal performance. I don't think anyone really knew that he had that in him to deliver such scorching black metal outside of his work, obviously, in My Chemical Romance. On top of that, it was a really refreshing look at some of the melodicism and some of the harmonies that go into black metal. Again, it had its moments where it may be droned on a little bit for me, or it could have done something a bit differently, but a really interesting take on it, really quirky if you like black metal, but also if you're just into uh, more experimental stuff in general and you don't particularly mind genres, this is the kind of album that you're going to enjoy. 
Now, I'll apologize in advance for butchering the pronunciation of Alpine 9 on this list. Ellensbergen Gesellschaft by Elend, an Austrian black metal band. And a bit of a shout out here to a friend of mine, Darth Abra, over on Instagram, who got me onto this record with her top 10 list. Uh, Yep, shamelessly lifted it from yours because it was that good. And if you don't follow her, go check her out. Um, I definitely waited on her list to come out because I knew I probably missed something. And this is the one for me that I missed earlier in the year and I've only just recently gotten onto. It's also got the best album cover of the year and I'll pop it up on my Instagram so that you can have a look at it. It's gorgeous. This album is a black metal masterpiece. It's so melancholic. It's got just the most gut-wrenching harmonies. The vocals are scorching. It doesn't do a lot outside of that. So this isn't one for you if you're sort of into your more soft heavy metal. If you're into your more mainstream genres of metal, that's fine. This album might not do it for you. Or this album might send you down the rabbit hole of really depressing, gritty black metal. It's a hell of a listen. It does a lot of the stuff that I love about the more melodic black metal, but it does it very interestingly. There's a lot of chord choices that really stood out for me. A lot of moments where I was sort of lulled into the false sense of security that they weren't going to change things up, and then they did. And because of that, I put this album on my list. I think it's really worth a listen. It does a lot of unique things that other modern black metal bands don't do particularly often. Give it a spin. I'm going to change up the pace now for number eight with Survival of the Sickest, the latest release by the Swedish supergroup of death metal, Bloodbath. For those of you who don't know, they've been a supergroup that have changed their lineup quite considerably over the years. But this is the latest album to come out from them, and it is a hell of a ride. It is pretty standard fare, keeping them with that theme of getting the basics right. I think this does the Swedish death metal sound really, really, really well. There's not really any one track that stands out to me as a key single, but I don't think there's necessarily a bad track on the album either. If you love your HM2 pedal, Swedish chainsaw, Gothenburg kind of sound, this is a record for you. As well, the band doing a really good job of keeping things tight, even though there's been some instability as to whether Martin Axenrott, the drummer, who kind of unceremoniously left Opeth, the difficulties around all that and him being uncertain as to whether he's in the band or not don't seem to have affected the quality of the songwriting or the drumming performance for that matter. Definitely worth a listen if you're into your orthodox death metal. Don't expect it to do anything too progressive or out there or weird. It is pretty straight up in your face gut punch of a death metal record horror slasher movie-esque lyrics loud blast beats grooves all the good stuff that comes from bloodbath that we've loved over the years it's probably in my opinion the best post Mikhail Ockerfeld bloodbath record although i think that the arrow of satan is drawn the lp before this maybe had one or two singles that stood out better this overall is just a brilliant piece of death metal Coming in at number 7, I have the new Zealand Arda record, Zealand Arda. Controversially, I actually think that Firewake, the single that dropped a couple of weeks back, is a stronger song than anything that individually on this record. And I do think that this perhaps isn't as good a record as Stranger Fruit, but that album for a lot of people is a 10 out of 10. I'd very be close to putting it there. However, that being said, Zealand Arda, brilliant listen. For those of you who don't know them, they mix black metal with a very unique take on gospel, on blues. Uh, They have a lot of traditional 
occult chanting, a lot of magical invocation going on. It's a really big experimental mix that started as something of maybe a morbid joke, but they realized they were onto something with their first record, their first full length, and then Stranger Fruit obviously came along, blew everyone away. Incredible band. For me, highlights off this record include Gotadamarung, very, very heavy moment of theirs. JMB towards the back end of the album, I think has some really interesting instrumentation and production going on that drives that song as well as some vocals that are truly from the bowels of hell. On top of that, some of the singles such as Golden Liar that came out, Death to the Holy, just really solidify their songwriting. If I were to give it any criticism, I think that maybe they could have taken a little bit more risk, that it maybe could have been a bit more along the lines of Stranger Fruit, but they moved away with something slightly more commercial, something slightly more easy listening, but this is only relative to the world of black metal that we're talking, and this is still an incredibly powerful album. It's also worth noting that Zeal and Arda do a lot of recycling of material. For instance, Hold Your Head Low towards the end of the record has been performed live by them for a number of years, and lyrics from demos that have gone around have popped up in new songs, so it's not always easy to talk about Zilanada in terms of a linear timeline when it comes to their songwriting and their production. I'm very, very keen to see where they go next, though. It's a very, very solid record. Coming in at number six is another record that I think deserves to be on here for getting the basics absolutely right, and that is Astral Fortress, the latest album by Dark Throne, who really need no introduction, but if you're unlucky enough to not be acquainted with the sounds of Dark Throne, they are one of the originators of Norwegian black metal. They've got such classics as Transylvanian Hunger, Blaze in the Northern Sky. They've changed up their sound from everything from very aggressive, punky, thrashy stuff to more ambient and dark black metal. They've really, though, just got the nuts and bolts of black metal right. This record rips and tears. It doesn't do anything too outside of what they've done before, particularly if you've been enjoying their run of albums since, say, Arctic Thunder, which I personally have. This album is going to scratch that itch for more of that. Really good songwriting and just utter brutality garage-level production that actually sounds enjoyable and isn't a parody or a gimmick, this album just gets it right. Dark Throne, Astral Fortress, great record. Anyone who knows me particularly well personally will know what band was going to always make this list with their new record, and that is Behemoth with Opus Contra Naturum. I don't think this album necessarily could go higher on this list, and I think it may be generous to put it up here because it does have some issues that I will get onto. But having said that, I do think it's a real return to form for them. Not to say that I Love You at Your Darkest was a bad record. I think it had its issues. I think after the success of The Satanist, which really blew them into the stratosphere of black and death metal, it was always going to be a difficult record to follow up. That being said, Opus Contra Naturum does bring back a lot of the elements people loved about, particularly Evangelion. It's got lots of blasting, lots of modern death metal sheen to it. It keeps a lot of the occult, a lot of the religious elements that Behemoth have always sung about and have always criticised quite vocally. However, I do think that it drops some of the church music elements that were present in the last record, and maybe favourably so. It does get the songwriting right and that is a very important thing to do 
For me, the Deathless Sun was a real standout, and I think that Versus Christus, the final song on the album, was as good an album finisher as Lucifer, as O Father, O Satan, O Son. It is dramatic, it's over the top, it's all the stuff that you love from a good behemoth song. That being said, I do think this album wasn't perfect, and my major criticism of it, Behemoth, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I hope someone's told you this though, the mixing the mastering weren't fantastic. I think the guitars really had their danger taken out of them compared to albums as far back as Demigod, but up to and including the Satanist. And I think that even though I enjoyed the arrangements of the synth parts, of the choral parts, of the horns, of all the good stuff they had on top, I think that they were too high in the mix. And at points, it dulled the punch and the snarl of the rest of the band. I did really enjoy that about Old Behemoth, that it was almost rock and roll with death metal aesthetic in terms of the way they approached their production. That being said, I do think that the songwriting really redeemed this album, and I look forward to hearing a lot of these tracks off this album live, where I think they will really get to stand out. So having mentioned the theme of bands getting the basics really, really well this year, and that's been something I've really enjoyed. The next band breaks that for me, and that's Gaera with their third full-length release, Mirage. These guys are a somewhat new band, having started around 2016. They've got an EP, a number of full-lengths now, and Mirage is just the most beautiful piece of black metal on this list by a long way. If you enjoy your modern black metal sound, particularly if you enjoy bands like Magla and that sort of ambient, contemplative almost meditative black metal you will love this it's a bit more shiny a bit more emotional a bit more melancholy it really has its bright moments and its dark moments it uses the contrast between these two emotions really to their advantage mirage is an amazing album it's got some great cuts on it um, if you're not sure where to start the singles are probably the highlight of this album but from start to finish i really enjoyed it found myself sort of sinking into walls and waves of sound a lot. Uh, it's just everything about modern black metal that makes it a genre that isn't finished yet. When a band like this comes out and drops an album like Mirage, it's pretty obvious that there still is more ground to be covered in black metal and the genre isn't dead or stale yet. And I think that's a really exciting thing. And that brings us to our top three up to the serious end of the list. Now, I did have to debate pretty heavily about my pick for third choice but honestly i can't think of another record that i enjoyed other than the two above it more than this record and that is venom inks release there is only black an incredibly incredibly powerful lp that gets everything right about what made that genre back in the day such a good genre why venom originally blew up the way they did why they were such an influence to the bands that came after them just an all-around amazing record with some amazing, amazing tracks. Uh, I will say, of course, we did have Tony on the podcast earlier to discuss it, and uh, that might, I guess, be seen as a conflict of interest, but this record took my attention from start to finish. Uh, and as we discussed in that episode, I think one thing that really made it amazing was the minimal production, the way that it was approached with a real class. The guitars sound really grunty and bitey, as a product of them having so much room to breathe, the drums sound devastating and powerful. There's no nasty electronicness to them, no compression. I mean, I'm sure they probably were compressed to some extent, but it doesn't sound like it. That's the point. 
this album is dangerous and alive and captures everything that would have been great. Um, there is always the risk of bands that have been going for this long, running out of things to say and things to do with their music style. But I think Venom Inc. really knocked it out of the park with There's Only Black. Thoroughly enjoyed this record. And for that reason, it's my number three on this list. Coming in at number two on my list is an album that for the longest time I thought was going to top my list for the year. And I'm surprised it was beaten, to be honest. It's that good. Uh, that is The Agony and Ecstasy of Vatane by Swedish black metal masters Vatane. This is a band that took off after the fall of Dissection and have pretty impressive back catalogue of black metal records that come from everything from something of a, a second wave sound and something like Cassus Luciferi. Uh, they've dabbled in the more modern sounds. They've done some, they've done some more experimental stuff on albums like The Wild Hunt. Uh, but the agony and ecstasy just really takes them to another level. The songwriting is incredible. The arrangement of the guitar parts is really, really a standout. You know, in the past they've sort of taken a minimalist approach, particularly on albums like uh, Sworn to the Dark, where they've had a very mechanical approach. And that's made it really, really bludgeoning of a sound that they produce. But this time through, it's so cluttered and chaotic and in your face, especially the way that the guitars are really forward thinking. They're, they're riffing for now, but there's also a lot of setup in the movement of the songs. And I think the track Saramosa really sums this up nicely. The guitars really drive the whole thing in this really incredible way. Um, on top of that, I think the production, again, similar to the Venom album, strikes a really good line between dirty and minimalist uh, and clean and tidy enough that all the parts get their own room to breathe, that there isn't really a point where it sounds like a mush or a mess. It's never a musical soup on this record. I think it's really, really incredible from the moment this record starts with the absolutely scorching ecstasies in the night infinite right through to the finish it's just a wild wild ride and if you haven't listened to it yet go give it a spin Watain, the agony and ecstasy of Watain, my number two record for the year coming in at number one is a record by a band that have been around 10 years to the year this year a band that have perhaps the most simple arrangement uh, a guitarist, a drummer, and a hell of a lot of rage that they like expressing through their music. And that is Mantar with Pain Is Forever and This Is The End. I wasn't really expecting this to be as good a record as it was. Uh, I've loved everything these guys have put out so far, but they've definitely been a band where I've liked lots of moments on a record and I don't think that any album they've put out yet is as complete a package cover to cover. And I guess that goes with the territory, with the style of music that they play, where it's obviously intended to be performed live, it's aggressive, it's it's just raw, pummeling rock and roll with some very, very, very heavy production, very heavy instrumentation going on. Manta are a really hard band to put in a given genre, and I think that trying to do that would be giving them a disservice. But I guess if you like Dark Throne, if you like Motorhead, you will probably love Manta. That's the best way I can describe it. It's just good music. For me, what really seals the deal with Pain Is Forever and This Is The End is the way that this record goes to so many unique places along its runtime, especially for a band that is 
two members just having a blast. Uh, you've got tracks like Egoisto and Horda that are punchy, aggressive, bearing their teeth and snarling. You've got tracks like Grim Reaping and New Age Pagan that sit back on a groove and just get you moving along with it. And, you know, throw things at you here and there that are maybe a little bit surprising when you're listening to this. Again, an album that has a lot of really beautiful moments along with some very aggressive moments. And then, of course, the record builds to a climax with the closer, Odysseus. Similar to Ode to the Flame, sort of building towards Schwanenstein and Death by Burning building to White Knights. Odysseus is this very spacious, melancholic closer for the album that really comes to an emotional climax. Which is, of course, a little bit surprising for an album that has tracks like Orbital Pus and Piss Ritual, which are some of the most disgusting and filthy, grimy tracks I can imagine, but also a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Odysseus is just, as the name would suggest, a real journey. And I think when it was released as a single, I enjoyed it, but it didn't really do it justice until I heard it in the context of the album where after blasting our way through nine tracks of profanity and filth, we get to this really beautiful, beautiful closer. And I don't think I can really do it justice other than to say, go listen to it. If you take one album away from this list, obviously it's probably going to be the the number one album, but please go check out Pain Is Forever and This Is The End. Mantar, amazing band, can't wait to see where they go next. And Boys in Mantar, if you are listening... Come out to Australia, guys. You'll love it. Uh, we've been hanging on since Ode to the Flame. There's a bunch of us waiting to see you guys. Uh, it'll be sick. And that wraps up my top 10 list and my honourable mentions. Thank you for listening. I'm Jordan, the host, and I look forward to releasing more of these throughout the year. As touring and album releases wind back up again, can't wait to see where we all go with this been listening to the Shred Is Not Dead podcast and Happy New Year, everyone.